Welcome to Inner Work with Marianne Walker, certified life coach for the helpers, healers, and anyone who wants to up-level their life. Life is what you make it, and here we make life pretty great. Come on in. Hi there, and welcome back. So if you've ever done any reading or research around narcissism, you have probably heard the phrase, a death by a thousand cuts. So the general idea is that the narcissist does 1,000 tiny little things that in and of themselves are not that big of a deal. It's like a tiny little paper cut. But when you combine them with the other 999 tiny little cuts, you can bleed out. So I wanted to kind of explore this idea, but from another angle. Oftentimes, somebody will say or do something one singular time. It may or may not have been done even intentionally, but something happens. And then once it's over, we choose to replay that event in our head over and over and over and over again. And when we are choosing to that, we are essentially dying by a thousand self-inflicted cuts. So has that ever happened to you? Maybe somebody called you a name or they made an insensitive comment and you keep replaying that event over and over again in your mind. So maybe you're in the shower and you're thinking, ah, I should have responded in this way. Or maybe you're journaling about it over and over again. Or maybe, you know, every time you talk with your bestie, then this thing comes up. Or every time in coaching or in therapy, these things keep coming up. And oftentimes these thoughts that keep coming up for us, they may even go all the way back to childhood where we allowed one phrase or one situation to impact us for years. So I thought I would share an example of when this has happened to me. Of course, it happens to all of us many, many times. (laughs) But the one that stood out to me uh, happened around Christmas when I was little. So every Christmas growing up, uh, we would get together, you know, get the extended family together, as many of you do. And we would dance and we would sing and play games and do fashion shows and the pajamas that my grandma would make for us each year. And we would really have a lot of fun. So this one particular year, my sister had just finished playing a beautiful piano solo and an older family member said, referring to me and my sister, I guess that one got all the beauty and one got all the talent. (laughs) And my sister and I kind of looked at each other and exchanged the same look of shock as we both kind of wondered internally, okay, am I the ugly one or the untalented one? And frankly, which one's worse? (laughs) That comment stung and it had impact. And, you know, as a young teenager, I chose to make it mean something negative about me. You know, for years, I kind of told myself that I was just a pretty face, right? I wasn't, you know, I was pretty cute, not going to (laughs) lie. I I told myself the story that I wasn't as dedicated or as smart or as talented as my little sister. But you know what? That's not true. Yeah, I don't play the piano, but I do have other skills and talents, and I am smart and capable. And do you know what else is true? My sister is gorgeous. (laughs) But that comment still had impact, where I found myself on the defensive anytime I got the slightest hint that anyone thought that I was incapable. So truth be told, we still talk about that comment as evidenced by this podcast. (laughs) And now that we are older, we are better able to laugh about it. And we both know that, you know, that family member probably has zero recollection of ever making such an insensitive comment. And yet we, you know, we still did carry it around for years. And, and I know for me, I've, I've relived that comment. And over the years, it's probably caused many little cuts. And it was all because I chose to internalize that statement and make it mean something about me. And that's human nature. We make everything about us, right? But maybe it isn't about you. In fact, most of the time, it isn't about you at all. 
how other people do or do not show up is 100% about them. I remember talking with a friend of mine when I was confused about an interaction that I had, and I was totally believing my story around the situation. I was believing it was a fact. I was believing that A equals B. I was believing that my thoughts were not stories, but they were gospel truth. (laughs) And in this instance, I was making it mean that I didn't have value, that I wasn't of worth, that I had said or done something to offend, that I had done something wrong. Essentially, I was making it mean that there was something wrong with me. And my friend gave me such great advice. She said to go back and look at that interaction again, but this time only look at how I was showing up, not how the other person did or did not show up. And it was fascinating because you know what I saw? It was a benefit to me because I could see it in black and white, right? Because you can't really do that when it's a conversation. You can't go back and, and look at it. It's just through our memory and through through that lens. But it was very beneficial. This was actually in black and white. And I could look over our exchange and see that I was a kind and communicative collaborator. I could see in black and white that I was responsive and thoughtful in my inquiries. I could see that I did a great job as a human. And seeing that helped me to see that I had done nothing wrong. And that helped me to shift my story into a more supportive one. So my new story was, oh, well, they must be busy and that's okay. Or, oh, they must be overwhelmed and that's okay. And that mind shift helped me to stop inflicting pain on myself because truly I was the only one inflicting pain on myself at this point, right? It was all about the story in my head. The other person hadn't even actually done anything. So when we find ourselves triggered, it's usually because we're making someone else's behavior mean something negative about us. We are making it mean that we are too much or too little. We are making it mean that we are unlovable. We are making it mean that we are unworthy of time or space. We are making it mean that something is wrong with us. But that is still just a thought. It is just a story. And just because we believe that story, it still doesn't mean that it's true. So let's take a look at a few different thoughts to see what they might be creating, right? Because our thoughts are going to create our emotions and our emotions are going to determine how we show up. So let's assume in this circumstance that somebody actually said, you are too much. (laughs) And your thought around that might be, they're right. I am too much. That may create a feeling of insecurity. And when we're feeling insecure, we may be self-conscious about what we say and what we do. Maybe we're trying to not move too much or trying to not talk too much. Maybe you're second-guessing yourself or apologizing for being you in the way that you're showing up. Maybe you're even trying to be someone else, which means you're not being true to yourself and not engaging in, in authentic ways. Maybe you're even staying home and not going out and meeting people that resonate. And when you're doing all of those things, you're shrinking yourself and not getting out there to find the people that do resonate with your true self. Now, if I were coaching you on this, I would first try to poke some holes in that thinking. So for example, I might ask you, what does it mean to be too much? And who gets to decide who and what is too much? Is there some manual somewhere that gives everybody a score on some invisible universal scale that tells you if you're too much or too little or just right? Some people might think that Oprah is too much. Does that mean that Oprah should stop being Oprah? Of course not. (laughs) So when somebody says that you're too much, my question is too much for who? Too much for them? Then maybe it's not you that's too much, but maybe it's that they have taken on too much and they are feeling overwhelmed. 
Maybe they struggle with boundaries and didn't know how to say no when they needed to, or they didn't know how to create space for themselves when they needed to, and that is 100% about them. Or maybe you just aren't for them, and that's okay. (laughs) Episode two is devoted entirely to this idea that you are not for everyone and that's okay. So if this is something that you struggle with, go back and listen to episode two. I think you'll enjoy it. So let's play around with another belief. I am not enough. So let's say in this situation, you're out to lunch with a friend that's in need and you missed a call from the school telling you that your kid is sick and needs to go home. So when you see that message, your thought is, oh, I should have answered. I'm such a terrible mother. And when you're thinking, I'm such a terrible mother, that creates the feeling of inadequacy. And when you're feeling inadequate, generally we try to like, prove ourselves in some ways, right? So maybe when you go to pick up your kid from the school, then you're kind of explaining to the nurse how important this lunch date was. And oh, my friend just really needed somebody and and trying to, you know, just prove that you're still a good human, <laughs> even though you missed the phone call. Maybe you're even overcompensating by deciding to make chicken noodle soup from scratch when you'd originally planned to have frozen pizza. So now all of the kids are home from school and you're cooking from scratch, trying to make this while also trying to help your other kids with homework and trying to care for your sick child just to prove that you can do it all. And you're acting kind of needy when your spouse comes home and seeking validation from them. And maybe you're even seeking validation online. And when you're doing all of these things, you're burning yourself out trying to prove that you're enough, which frankly is exhausting you and making it harder for you to show up as the friend and the mom and the wife you want to be. So if I were coaching you on this, I would probably ask you to define what is a terrible mother? Because my guess is that if you were talking with your girlfriend and she told you that she missed a phone call from the school nurse, that you would not immediately tell her, oh, you're such a terrible mother, (laughs) right? One missed phone call from the school does not qualify any other mom as a terrible mother. So why are you making it mean that you are a terrible mother? What would a good mother do? I'm guessing that a good mother would pick up their kid as soon as they realized that they needed to come home, which is something that you did. What would a good friend do? A good friend would probably be present for their friend during a lunch that they were desperately needing, and that probably would mean turning off the ringer and notification for an hour or so so that you could be present, which is something that you did. And what would a good person do? A good person would probably be just as kind and patient and attentive with themselves as they are with others because they know that when they're feeling good, they're better able to show up for their loved ones. So let's play around with one more. Let's work with the belief, no one wants me. So in this circumstance, then a friend has yet to reply to your message about getting together. And your thought is, nobody wants to hang out with me. When you're thinking the thought, no one wants to hang out with me, you're feeling undesirable. When you're feeling undesirable, you find yourself withdrawing. You're maybe hiding. You're kind of avoiding messenger. You're avoiding going out with others. Maybe you're even buffering with social media and Netflix. You might be crying or sulking or self-judging, wondering what you've done wrong. Maybe you're even replaying in your mind all of the awkward social exchanges that you have had just to find evidence as to why people don't want to hang out with you. And by hiding and avoiding people, you're proving to yourself the story that nobody wants to hang out with you because no one can find you to engage with you. And then you're sulking and justifying and and focusing on all of the negative. I'm guessing that you're also not being somebody that even you would want to hang out with in that moment because you're not even enjoying your own company. You're making yourself miserable. 
taking some time to learn how to enjoy your own company and develop the qualities that you want in a friend, such as being kind, responsive, cheerful, and communicative, will help you to find those people that truly resonate with you. And when you're living the life that you want and being the person that you want to be, you're better, better able to approach others with this sense of love and abundance rather than lack and neediness. And that alone is going to really have an impact on what you're bringing in relationship-wise. We all have these feelings at times. We all feel overlooked or neglected. It's just part of the human experience. And the amount of time that we have spent thinking on these thoughts and practicing those feelings, be it days or weeks or months or possibly even years, will let us know how long we've been carving out these specific neural pathways around those thoughts. Oftentimes, we tell ourselves these stories so many times that our brain just automatically fills in the whole story for us and goes into autopilot. So like, have you ever been trying to go somewhere and you zone out a little bit and then you realize suddenly that, oh, I'm automatically driving to work or to the library or to Walmart because you've just practiced driving that route so many times, even though that's not where you want to go? It's the same idea with your brain. Your brain wants to be helpful. So when these thoughts come up that you've been practicing are triggered, then it's your brain is going to say, hey, I got you, girl. Like, I know how this story ends. You just sit back and relax and, and I'll take you there. And then we're on autopilot where we're going to this destination that we really didn't want to go. <laughs> and it takes just a tiny bit of recognition and self-awareness to correct your autopilot route to the store, Right just as it takes just a little recognition and self-awareness to course correct our thought processes. But the good news is that our brain is capable of creating new neural pathways. It's capable of remembering these new routes that are supportive and that we do want to take. We can course correct. And the more we practice our new thoughts, the less likely it will be that we will find ourselves going down that old, old road that doesn't really take us to where we want to go. Love yourself. <laughs> Offer yourself some self-compassion as you recognize that this may be a belief that you have practiced for a long time, but you don't have to keep thinking it. And then have some fun and get creative as you work to find other beliefs that might be more supportive and just keep trying them on until you find one that fits. Oftentimes people will tell me that affirmations just don't work for them. And that just tells me that they haven't found the right one. Oftentimes, creating a bridge thought can help. So for example, maybe we are struggling to believe the thought, I love myself. So play around with it and find something that does resonate. So maybe something, a bridge thought to, I love myself might be, I am learning to love myself, or I am actively looking for evidence of my worth. And those thought, thoughts might um, be a bit easier to feel into until you're able to really believe the thought, I love myself. Some other more supportive thoughts might be, I am not too much or too little. I am just enough. Other people's overwhelm is 100% about them. I am finding those that resonate with who I am by being me. I am learning and growing every day. I am practicing loving myself. I am worthy of love. I am learning to treat myself kindly. I seek out those that uplift and inspire me. I am learning to enjoy spending time with me. When I am me, I am free. So remember, if you're feeling unworthy, insecure, like you're too much or too little, 
First, separate out your fact from the story. Your story is not fact. <laughs> Second, identify what the feeling is that's coming up for you. Simply identifying it will help to loosen its power over you. And third, identify the actions and behaviors that you're demonstrating as you're coming through that feeling to identify what it is that you're creating. And after you've done that, identify how you would like to think and feel instead. And try on a few different thoughts until you're able to find one that resonates with you and helps you to create the result that you are seeking. But most importantly, please don't be the one inflicting further pain onto yourself. Other people will say things that are insensitive or even cruel at times. But please don't inflict further pain onto yourself by continuing to live in those old stories. Please don't let your death of a thousand cuts be self-inflicted. You are worthy. You are capable. You are 100% lovable. Other people's insensitive or unkind comments cannot decrease your worth. A crumpled up $100 bill is still worth $100. And the same is true for you. No one can diminish your worth. No one. So don't you dare think that just because you're a little crumpled or worn out from the story you've been telling yourself for years that you have lost your value. You are 100% valuable. You are 100% lovable. Believe it. I do. I love you. I'll talk to you soon, and I hope you have a great week. Bye.